Hi everyone, uh, my name is Keith Bowes and I'm the Managing Director for Lotus Resources. Lotus Resources owns the Kalakera Uranium Mine, which is located in Malawi. It is a past producing asset, having produced uranium between 2009 and 2014. Uh, Lotus acquired the asset back in uh, 2020 and we've been working very hard over the last uh, year or two in terms of uh, identifying opportunities for reducing the operating costs. And all of those uh, activities have culminated in us um, announcing the results of our feasibility study back in early uh, early August. Okay, and well, the, actually, the, the bit I want to talk about is the cash raise. Um, what, why now um, do you feel you kind of got you know a, 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 the right amount of money to actually move this thing forward? I think there's there, there were two things we were looking at when we did the cash raise. Um, I think the message we've been putting out consistently over the last year or so, and certainly on the back end of the feasibility study, was that we want to position ourselves to be able to restart the asset as soon as possible. So the money that we've raised, the $25 million, is more than enough to see us through our corporate costs, also to cover our care and maintenance costs, but also importantly to give us some cash in the kitty in case we decide to do some early works on site. So what are the things that we could do on site that would allow us to accelerate the execution program? But also more importantly, we did identify some long lead items that may be required for the restart. And could we actually go about the process in terms of placing orders for those long lead items? Again, with the intention that by doing that, we would be able to reduce the execution uh, time required for the restart. So that was one part of it, but I suppose also in the back of our mind, noting the period when we did raise the capital, when the uranium price was still you know, relatively low on the $45, $46, $47 per pound, I suppose we did have a question in the back of our mind, well, what happens if the uranium price doesn't increase by the end of the year like we initially expected, and maybe it takes another six months or so for that uranium price to come up to the levels that we need for a restart? Well, at least we've got the cash in our pocket now to be able to sustain us through that period without any issues. So, I mean, those were really the two ideas we had behind the behind the capital raise. Okay, I mean, the interesting thing to me is about the strategies that different companies are employing, right? If I if I listen to some CEOs, we won't name the companies, they're saying, I ain't lifting a finger till the price gets to where it needs to be, and I'm offered the kind of time contracts at levels I think we need. So they're conserving cash, doing very little to move the projects forward. You've decided it makes sense to actually get through to the, the DFS, get some of these term contracts in place that, you know, obviously they, they are just in, indicative rather than probably where you want to be, um, and it advances to the point where you kind of, I, I guess, do you feel more in control by using that strategy? Is it the best use of capital? Is it, is it the right price for that capital? I think there's a couple of things behind that. and I mean, I can fully appreciate why some people are going down that route. I mean, there's certainly a sensible uh, strategy behind that. But I suppose the way that I look at it is that I recognize that it does take time to do things. And uh, if we spend a little bit of money now, that allows us to be in a better position so that when we make like the final investment decision and those types of things, we can accelerate a lot quicker. I think that's a good thing to be spending the money on. And the second thing, as I would say, is I do recognize, and especially if you do look at the history of the uranium price, when it does react, it reacts very, very quickly. And you don't want to be in a position, for example, where you say, I'm waiting for a, and I'll, I'll pick a number, 65 or $70 per pound price, and I'll wait until it gets to that point, and then I'll make the decision, well, now I'm going to go ahead and do my project. Because it could take you two years before you start producing. 
And based on the historical evidence, in two years' time, the uranium price may, may no longer be at that 65 or 70. It could actually be lower than that. So I think setting yourself up for success by making sure that you're ready to go, and when you are going, you can go very, very quickly, I think is the right strategy for our company. Now that's sacrilege. I, I was saying 200, talking about lower price uranium, I, I was hearing $200 uranium at the end of last year. But you can't be sure, can you? <laughs> that's the... It cannot be sure. We've been looking. So one of the things we've been doing is, you know, we've got a little bit of time on our hands now as we're talking to the utilities and all that. And I think there's a, there's a lot of, you know, data out there. And I think there's, you know, the historical data and a graph that lots and lots of people show is there's a uranium price trend that shows in the 2007 going up to $137 per pound if you're using the, you know, the, the, the dollars of the day. But what we had a look at, and I think it's starting to come a bit more uh, common, let's say, that maybe a lot of the uranium companies are talking to. If you go back to 1970 or 1975 around that, and you look at the uh, the uranium price in dollars of the day, it was probably $30 or something like that, or $35 or something like that. But if you convert that into $2022, the price was actually $140 or $150 or something like that. And what was really interesting about that period that I think is particularly relative for what's happening now is you had the energy crisis then. So admittedly it was oil-based, but you had an energy crisis then. You also had the issue with the Cold War going on at that point in time. And also you had an, um, a huge amount of construction of new uranium uh, uh, plants at that point in time in terms of power generation plants. And I think that sounds to me very familiar to where we are today. And what was interesting about that period is that price went up to the 140s, as I said, or 150s, but it stayed at that level for many, many years. For like four years or five years, it stayed at that level. And it was only when the incident at Three Mile Island occurred in the U.S. that that price started to drop off again. And I think that period of interrogating what were the drivers at that point in time, what was you know driving the price up and all that, is much more relative to today's um, environment than maybe that period in 2007 that perhaps everyone's been focusing on, you know, over the last couple of years or so. So I think there's some really interesting stuff out there to have a look at, have a look at some history, see what was driving prices at that point in time and how they compared to the markets today. Um, okay, so help me with this kind of strategy component again, which is you, you've got a low capex You've um, advancing the project DFS, and you're in you know various conversations with people about how you get contracts. Is being a first mover an important part of those discussions and your ability to actually negotiate better terms? I think the feedback that we've had from the utilities that we've spoken to, and we've had the opportunity to speak to both the North American ones and also to some of the European and Asian ones as well, is security of supply is absolutely critical for these utilities. They want to have absolute confidence that when you say you're going to deliver the pounds, you're going to be able to deliver them at the volume and in the time frame you've spoken about. And I think a early, you know, a previous producer a first cab off the rank type of company probably ticks the box a lot easier than some of the other companies that are maybe still greenfield and those types of things. So I think that does give us an advantage when we're talking uh, to those various utilities because they do recognize the mine has operated pre previously, has provided a good uh, quality product. And therefore, when we do the ramp up, we're more likely to be able to hit those targets than some other company who hasn't gone through that process yet. Right. Okay. 
Okay. And um, it, it just so let's talk about the market a little, a little bit more if we can, because I'm trying to work out how you position yourself as one of the companies to be investing in now. I mean, you, you kind of share price wise since since May been moving moving sideways, which in this market feels like a win, quite frankly, for most most CEOs. Um, so to that degree, it's fine. But for investors looking into this thing, they've got to feel like, well, what are the companies we're actually going to be able to benefit from this? There's going to be some momentum plays and there's going to be some fund fundamental plays. I typically gravitate with fundamental plays because they're based on reality. Um, how, how do you position yourself? What's your expectation of how long this thing's going to take to play out? Yeah, so I think there's still a few, at least a few months to go on it. But when you talk about our share price, I mean, as I agree, we've moved sideways since uh, May effectively, which is not such a bad position to be in compared to maybe some of the other commodities. But I think what gives me some confidence is that we know back in April, when the uranium price hit the $64.75, so that was on the back of the original uh, Russia issues and those types of things, our share price moved up to about 45 cents. Today, our share price is 23 cents. And when I look, well, has the company changed since that time in May? Well, I think we've actually improved because we have a feasibility study out now that has demonstrated the capital costs, the operating costs, the production schedules and all those types of things. We are much more confident about those numbers than we were back in May. So I think from that perspective, we've improved. I think we've demonstrated to the market our ability to raise capital. We went out for the $25 million. We were well oversubscribed for that. We could have taken a lot more if we wanted to. But no, we decided that we were happy with the $25 million that we wanted. So I think we've given the, the markets and the investors confidence that we can raise the money when we need it. And I don't think that the fundamentals behind the uranium market have changed significantly since that May period. I think you've got these world issues that have obviously impacted on it. But if you look at the fundamental supply and demand and all that kind of stuff, we've still got a 50 million pound gap in supply. You've still got so many different countries and so many different companies talking about installing or uh, constructing new reactors. China's still got the 150 new reactors they want to talk about. Germany recently announced that they're going to be extending three of their reactors. The UK is talking about new reactors. Uh, France is talking about new reactors. You've got so much good information coming out of the US today about these small modular reactors. So if anything, the picture for uranium's improved as well. So if we could get up to 45 or 46 cents back in April, I don't see any reason why we can't get back to that value again as soon as the market, you know, the general market conditions, all these uh, issues about um, interest rates, inflation, recession, and all that kind of stuff, uh, as soon as we move through those. Right, obviously, um Okay, markets markets are fluid at the moment. So you say you could have taken more than the twenty five million at the time. It was a little bit of you said, "Well, do you know what? Maybe let's just take it while we can." Or clearly, you've you've obviously sided on the well. Let's take as much as we need to get us through to where I think the market should be in a better state, and therefore have you know cheaper um, capital. So, what what is twenty five? million allow you to do or what's the total cash balance allow you to do um, as, as you see it right now? So it allows us to pursue our uh, development strategy. 
So we've got the cash in the pocket now to be able to do some early works if that's what we decide to do. We have the cash in our pocket to be able to place the orders for our long lead items that we've identified. And we've also got, and this is, I mean, just as an aside thing, we need to make our final payment to Paladin in March of next year, which is 3 million US dollars. So we've got the cash now to be able to do that as well. So we can certainly pursue our project development strategy and be in a position that when we do make FID, hopefully we've got a lot of the pre-works already done, or at least in the in the um, you know in the in, in the in the channel in terms of actually being getting up and done. We can then just go and raise the capital for the restart. But as I mentioned earlier as well, we've also got enough money in the kitty that if, for example, the uranium price doesn't increase as we expected it, we know we've got enough money to last us probably 18 months or two years or something like that. You know, worst case case scenario we don't have to go back to the markets for a while right so okay thank, thanks i know you sort of <clears throat> answered that previously well i guess what i was trying to get at is what does it like to do as, as a as, as a business not necessarily the kind of operational side of things but in terms of positioning in the market marketing in the market and getting ourselves you know to to the front of the queue as a kind of with the first mover advantage co component and you know i guess have utilities yes utilities because i assume you're going to be heading west and not east, um, getting them to recognize that you are one capable of getting over the line, capable of, of, of production, um, and they, they should be signing contracts with you at the point where you know you, you guys agree at what level that needs to be. So the mar so I think more of the market marketing side and positioning side in, in, in the sector. Yeah, so I think as I mentioned, I mean, obviously the, uh, the utilities are looking for certainty of supply. And I suppose if they were to put together a checklist of what are the risks associated with us signing a new company to be able to provide uranium for us, well, if they need to raise capital to be able to start their plant back up again, have they demonstrated capability in that area? And I certainly think the $25 million that we raised has allowed us to be able to tick that box. And then I think you then go down the process, you know, have they... Have they produced previously? Have they uh, have we treated this type of material previously, and all those types of things? So I think by going through that process, we have been able to demonstrate uh, our capabilities in a number of different areas that we hopefully will give certainty to a customer, to one of our customers, that we are capable of restarting up a uranium mine. We are capable of operating a uranium mine. We are capable of raising the funds to be able to operate a mine. So therefore, the risk of us not being able to provide the product to you is a lot lower. Right, okay. And, and do you think that the DFS has answered the questions as far as the utility is concerned with regards to the, you know, the, the, the tailings dam and the, 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 the plant terrace and the uh, open pit bench, et cetera? You know, all of those sorts of technical Things that you you were wrestling with since you picked up the the, the project is that is that now kind of that, that slate wiped clean and they trust your ability technically to um, you know get this over the line from that perspective. I think from the utilities perspective, I think they acknowledge that there were a number of issues there and they can see we've done the work to resolve it. But I still feel that the most important thing they're looking is what is your cash cost? How does that compare to the others? How confident are you in those cash numbers to be able to produce? And what is your expected production rate? And what is your ramp up and your timing in terms of getting that startup? I still think those are the main questions that they're having a look at. And maybe those other issues are more questions that sit underneath that, 
that maybe we might get into in a bit more detail when we're doing the agreement, uh, the uh, contract negotiations. But it's certainly when are you going to start up? When you how fast are you going to ramp up? What is your production rate and what um, what are your costs? Right, and and by obviously worried about your cash costs as much as you are. They want to know you're going to be around in the future to deliver into whatever sure, contracts yeah. they've got with you. Okay, so, simple as that. Um, and where just and coming back to sorry to bring up the, the Africa play thing again, but I, I just I just think it's kind of interesting um, that there's a kind of recognition that perhaps the the African plays who have been the historic you know big big producers here are getting a, a little bit more share of voice at the moment. Well, do you, do, well, do you, do you feel that? You get, think you're getting a fairer hearing now than perhaps you were a year ago? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, uh, diversification of supply is becoming really, really important. And I mean, obviously, Africa has been and will be in the future a very, very large producer of uranium. I mean, Namibia is number four in the world at the moment. Nigeria sits, I think it's number five or number six. Uh, we're looking at Malawi is coming in as well. I certainly think there's a lot more interest in terms of alternate supplies to the traditional ones that, uh, that certain utilities are looking at. And we've even heard some commentary being made that maybe some of the larger utilities actually allocate some of their um, purchasing to these new companies uh, to try and induce more production coming online. So there's a certain portion that they, um, that they contract every year where they're looking to support a new player coming in, and Africa is certainly part of that, uh, that discussion at the moment. Okay, good. Well, I, yeah, that's interesting. Also, so, so back on the FID component, is like, yeah, I think you've made um, quite a, a big point in your communications that you will not do the FID until a, a, an appropriate uranium price is reached. For you today, given the kind of, uh, you know, the, the pressures on the, on the price at the moment, it doesn't seem to be doing what people want it to do, um, no matter what's thrown at it. Given the increasing cost in environment, how long are you prepared to, to, to wait? You know, what's the number you're looking for? I think we've, I mean, the timeline that we've uh, been talking about for the last year or so is that, we will be in a position to make FID by the end of this year. That's what we've always said. I do acknowledge that because of what's happened over the last six months or so, that's probably quite a tight uh, time frame to meet. So it might end up rolling over a little bit into quarter one next year. But again, can we use some of the funds that we've raised now for the activities I spoke about that would allow us to do something on site that even if we were a few months later, in our FID, we don't really sacrifice the entire program in terms of delaying it by that period as well. Maybe we were able to do enough before FID and spend a small amount of money that would allow us to have a much more reduced time frame for the execution. So, I mean, obviously, I think everybody's saying the same thing. I think we're in the same situation as most of the uh, near-term producers in terms of pricing. I think everyone's still talking about the sixty to seventy dollar price range is um, is where we want to be. Okay, well, um, Keith, I appreciate you you know coming on giving a little update on you know how things are progressing, um, and we'll wait to hear from you certainly on the FID because that should be quite the moment. Yeah, I think something that's going to be a very very important step for us for sure.